Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be talking with Mr. Will Plummer, who's the CSO of RaySecure. And we're going to be talking about something that we don't hear a lot about. Uh, you know, typically when we talk about cybersecurity, we're talking about technology solutions, uh, IT infrastructures, different services related to those technologies and services. But we um, today we're going to be talking about digital attacks and mail screening services and more. But before we do that, let's uh, let's welcome Will. Will, how are you today? Uh, doing great, Mark. Glad to be here. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, so um, I mentioned earlier that uh, that I'm in the Seattle Bellevue area. Whereabouts are you? Uh, we're out of Boston. Uh, headquartered Boston? here, and then yeah, I've got uh, employees all over the place, but primarily out of Boston area. It's a great area. Love it. Um, I, how are things these days <laughs> in Boston? <laughs> it, it's it's finally warmed up this weekend. It's been a little bit chilly, but uh, it's great. People back to work. Uh, the traffic's back. But uh, <laughs> yeah, right. It's it's great. Every every silver lining has a cloud, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's the same thing here because uh, here in the Northwest, I've, you know, I mean, just like everywhere, I guess, in the country, but we've had massive growth in the last 20 years with pretty much no change to our infrastructure. Yeah. So, I mean, it, we have like the world's biggest parking lot out here on, on 405 and I-90 during during the peak hours. During the pandemic, it was like, wow, this is actually, I can get around, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. we're, we're, we're getting back to the, uh, the old normal again. Yeah, but... Uh, so, hey, well, I mean, you've got a really interesting background, and I think it um, is very relevant to the work that you do um, with, you know, preventing digital attacks, et cetera. Before we um, we get into, you know, those the specifics of those types of attacks, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your background that kind of prepared you for the work you do now. Yeah, sure. So um, I did 25 years in the Army with the bomb squad, and with that, I had a few, uh, a lot of work around the intelligence arena. Uh, doing a bunch of physical security stuff, obviously. And uh, when I retired, I stepped into the CSO role here because we do physical security primarily in mail and mm -hmm. objects and things that get brought into organizations. And uh, it kind of translated really easy. So a good chunk of the day is helping people understand physical threats, especially in emerging verticals where you know tech industry, like you just mentioned, a lot of tech industry is full of younger folks who are really good at and worrying about how the computer works and making sure the firewall is <laughs> there and all the all the right email filters get put on, but not necessarily so much when they build or construct a facility that's going to have to deal with people and what comes in and goes out of, of an organization. Uh, so my background, like I said, it's it's got a lot to do with with physical security, understanding how to how to maintain and manage safety, and uh, it does help uh, with most of the companies. And then a lot of the work that I do is primarily talking to our clients. So I spend a lot of time doing uh, consulting work and explaining how to best implement some of these uh, some of these policies and procedures. Yeah, it, it's really interesting because you know we talk about or we hear about all the different types of uh, attack vectors, but one of the biggest vectors is just your front door, you know, yeah. <laughs> and people walking in. And um, I, you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts in terms of because you mentioned building design as a, you know, as a way to possibly prevent these kind of attacks. Um, but also it's just just having policies in place where if somebody comes in, you greet them and say, hey, how can I help you? Are you looking mm -hmm. for somebody? You know, and in some offices you could walk in and just stand there and nobody 
Nobody will give you, you know, they just don't even look at you. And I, I'm like, I could just pick up whatever I wanted and walk out the door here. So what are your thoughts on those two things, design and policy? Uh, design, there's a there's a lot of very interesting ways to, now, worst case, let's talk about explosives and stuff like that. I mean, it's not the, the direction I'm trying to go with it, but uh, where you can implement decent design and increase safety and security of individuals involved in case there is something that happens. Uh, venting, for example, you don't want windows that are going to be easy to push out. Somebody jumping up against them, the old high, you know, the high rise uh, salesman joke. Well, saw the, they said he's up on the 50th floor every day. He's jumping against the window and keeps bouncing off of it. It's great. Then one day he goes straight through it. Well, um, that actually happened. I don't know if you if you were referring to the real case, but there was a guy up in Canada and it was it was like the 50 or 60th floor. Mm-hmm. And he was joking around in front of some kids and mm-hmm. he went out the window. man, <laughs> Straight so, down. Yeah, that's what I was laugh. talking about. So, okay, yeah. But but yeah. but the threshold above that, where if something does go off, the room vents out and you don't have major catastrophic damage that's done, you know, on the 50th floor. Uh, so there's a lot of things you can do and keeping people away from high risk areas, from areas where you're screening, putting in uh, some of your screening off site, whatever. You, I mean, there's a lot of physical changes you can make to a, a building or or facility to increase everybody's safety and security. Uh, policies, you brought up a fantastic one, actually greeting somebody. Stopping and having a, a human interaction to, to understand what they're looking for, uh, gauge their attitude, gauge their personality, and see, you know, as a first level of defense, politely, what you think is trying to walk into your building. Um, we talk a lot about policies with our clients because they end up needing to change them. We talk about things like, you know, you, everybody does risk assessments. A uh, really good one is if you if you look at what most organizations SOP says for suspect package, it says exit the building, put everybody in the parking lot. We're thinking Unabomber. Everybody thinks when you think suspect package is going to be a bomb. Sisley speaking, you're going to have a hazmat team come walking up because somebody sent you something that was caustic. Somebody sent you something that is going to get somebody sick, not blow up and have a huge problem in the facility. Uh, so looking at policies and saying, does our SOP line up with what's most likely going to happen? We all talk about most dangerous course of action, but what's the most likely thing? And sure. then having other steps in place other than empty out the entire building for something that might not need to be not, not need to happen. Makes a lot of sense. So um, why don't we get into the specifics then of of fidgetal attacks and mm-hmm. what mail screening is? Because, I mean, we, we were just talking about somebody walking in the front door, but uh, mail screening is a little bit different, obviously. And you kind of yeah. touched on it there, but go ahead. So we we have a kind of an interesting comment on that. So the front door is open and but it's guarded. Like we oftentimes you can walk into a building, but if you look at most facilities, you can walk into any you know Fortune 50 company. The first two people you're going to meet are security most likely, and most likely one of them is armed and standing off to the side and quietly gauging what you're doing. Walk around to the back and see what shows up on the loading dock and how many people are not challenged at what they're doing or what they're leaving there. Uh, I was in a Fortune 10 company headquarters, two guys armed, went through the whole nine yards, took my picture, got it on a badge, did everything, walk around to the back, and I started asking questions. Hey, what's above our head? Because two people in an unmarked truck just dropped off, you know, third-party delivery, just dropped off boxes on the back of your loading dock. What's above us? And they sheepishly said, that's the CEO's second working office. He doesn't like going all the way to the 10th floor. So wow. directly above the loading dock is where you let your CEO work. You know, they must not they must not really like their CEO. man. (laughs) (laughs) So if you if you look at what male security is, it's really it's a mundane job. 
that a lot of people, unfortunately, uh, don't necessarily give it the risk level that it, it requires when you're talking about a fit risk assessments. It's something as simple as training your people, something as simple as this is what threats look like. And it's not the old poster 87 we've all seen. You know, you go to the post office, says this suspect package got that picture like 30 degrees off center with the oily stain and the wire hanging out and everything else. <laughs> yeah, the ticking noise. <laughs> that one, right. That, that exact one we can all picture if you've been around for a minute. Um, a lot of the times it's going to be insider threats, the amount of layoffs, the entire workforce that had this huge riff when everybody did the, the walk away from the job after COVID or during COVID. They know how the facility works. They know who people are. Google makes it really hard to misspell somebody's name. You know, the old 10 things to look for for a suspect package. Right. A lot of those aren't there anymore. So if we can't update how we handle these physical threats that can get sent in, you're going to miss them. So it's like I said, it doesn't look like the like the poster anymore. So now you have to do things. And now it's crazy how many times you walk in a mailroom and you see great TTPs or great tools, techniques, and procedures being done, but they're handwritten on a wall. It's a list of people that you just fired or a list of people that you know have sent things in the past that's scribbled. And it's just keep an eye out for that person. There's no automation to, to pay attention to the bad stuff that might be coming in as much as you put money in the good stuff, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Maybe um, you could touch on some like key principles uh, that that you know anybody that has access or is in you know in that environment should be looking out for, and then let's talk about some of the tools and technology that can be used as well. Okay, um, excuse me. Principles are, are pretty straightforward. Uh, one thing is is understanding of what's coming in and what's going out. You should have, if you work in the mailroom, a good idea of what normal is before you're ever left in there by yourself. the The reality is businesses do the same thing over and over and over again. So get to know what normal is. And then when something that shows up outside that normal, you end up raising your hand and saying, I need somebody to come over here and take a look at it. That's funny because right. when we talk about technology solutions, we call that anomaly detection. <laughs> but, but you just say, well, I, I, I guess a plainer way to say it is what's normal, what's not, right? And a lot of people, if you think about who works in the mailroom, they're entry level a lot of the times. They're mm -hmm. trying to work their way out of the mailroom. Um, but that's that's the reality of, of who you had working there with you. Uh, the next thing would be integration, bring in the security team so that when the person doing the screening has a question, or has a problem, they should have a single person that can contact, reach and touch. They can come in and solve it. Uh, generically speaking, that person should be able to affect change. If a mailroom person says, hey, we have something here, we need to evacuate the building or I'm covered in white powder, something's wrong. They can't really do much except be the person in the room who's had the worst day maybe of their lives. Um, so if you combine those two and then a good physical and tactile inspection, you can stop most of the things that show up. What does that mean, a physical tactile So inspection? like running your hands over the, uh, say it's a letter, most of the threats that show up are less than half an inch, or sorry, less than 10 ounces in weight and less than half an inch thick, mailed by the USPS. Run your hand over it, see what it feels like. Take a good look at what you're seeing. and Things stand out. If I mail this thing from Bakersfield, California, that's where the return address is, and the cancellation stamp says San Francisco, there's a very big problem there. Did somebody drive this letter from Bakersfield to San Francisco and then drop it in a collection bin? Probably not. They mm. probably weren't thinking that there is a tracking code on there that'll tell people where it physically left, but they think they're being slick by throwing in 
some other return address to it. Um, and then visually, again, taking a look at it, looking for things that are strange. Um, the, the one of the last things to look at is is training, recurring training and putting focus on making sure that people understand that they have a serious job. Yes, it's just mail, but the amount of times that companies get hit each year, the amount of time that major corporations get kicked out of their facility. Uh, California four weeks ago, one of the top number five co companies in the United States working in the world, evacuated their building for seven hours because somebody mailed something into them. So is that the main, I guess, target or threat that's going on is just to kind of disrupt business. Somebody's pissed off and somebody wants to get you. I'm going to, I'm going to prank these guys or are there also a number of serious real attacks? There are. So the, the downside to, to well, let me back that up to the first way. Yes. A majority of the time it's somebody's pissed off. They've been laid off. They sent a tweet. The company didn't respond. They sent an email. The company didn't respond. I'm going to send a physical threat inside of your facility and then they'll escalate from there. Uh, so Yes, that's a majority of the time. The the downside to collecting information or intelligence on what happens when the real uh, like digital attacks happen or whatever is no company's going to stand up and raise their hand and say, by the way, this happened to us. Uh, right. It's not like you're going to get a report. We have NDAs, all of our clients, so we, we know it comes in and goes out of there, but we're not going to raise our hand and say, hey, this happened to our client. Um, but there are ways that you can see when it happens. So if you look at uh, court records for hostile takeovers and you go look at some of the things that are said in those court records or those documents, when they make the comments like nobody ever said that sentence that wasn't sitting in our boardroom at that board meeting, yet the other you know, company trying to hostile takeover repeated that exact sentence as a reason for doing what they were doing. Mm -hmm. um, it's There's little little whispers of it, but it's not, again, that somebody's going to stand up and say, hey, this happened to me. Right. And with cybersecurity breaches, there typically is some type of reporting requirement, okay? Whether that's under GDPR or some other privacy or regulatory body, could be a, a state um, regulation. But with a digital attack, it sounds like maybe there's no um, there's no requirement to report. So possibly the the number of attacks is actually much greater than we would kind of suspect. Possibly, possibly. I mean, yeah. the, you might not even know that it really happened unless you got a really good firewall, cybersecurity, everything else set up. The basic concept of of a warshipping system is the same thing that happened, you know, when the when you bug company country a bugs country b i mean they they do it all the time that's why we have tscm programs everybody's worried about listening devices uh, effectively you just mail in a listening device that's going to pick up handshakes and packets between a system that it hopefully knows it doesn't necessarily have to you can put some extra code in it but uh it picks up data grabs passwords and then it mails itself back out because they put the wrong addressy to it so the mailroom lets it sit there for four or five days, hits, it picks up all the information it needs, they hit return to sender, and it goes back out the front door. So uh, let's break that down a little bit. I okay. mean, what kind of what kind of device actually, yeah, explain how that works. So- Because I'm, I'm, I'm gonna imagine a big, a big building, right? You know, or an office building, whatever. And we get it. We get a package. It's sitting there. What's, how does that actually connect with my, my network and so on and so forth? 
So the there's a couple of good articles on this, and I, I'll I can send them to you so you can put them in the in the link when you send this out. Sure, sure. But the the reality is most of the people uh, that are angry right now that we're seeing in mail threats are insider. Like I said, they've been laid off. So, so they have the credentials, they have the passwords, they even, they okay, got you. Okay. Even if they don't have the have the say you log them out. They have the IP addresses because they've been working from home for two years with the computer. Mm -hmm. They know just about everything that goes on inside that organization. You might block their use, but you send in a Raspberry Pi with a Wi-Fi dongle, a GPS enabler, so it knows when it's physically in the right location to turn on and begin collecting information, and a bit of code with the Pi just running. It will sit, watch handshakes, that it can collect all the information from that IP address, scan multiple IP addresses, and pick up everything that it needs to know for somebody else to walk in and clone one of your people and access from the lobby at a minimum. There's more you can do, but then it gets into hacking heavy, and we really don't want to don't explain how to do it. Okay. So, so YouTube, so, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. You were so, say there's plenty, plenty of examples on YouTube and... Yeah. Yeah. YouTube can explain exactly how to do it. In fact, that's how we did it. We mm -hmm. we built one for less than 200 bucks, took it to uh, one of the major trade shows out in Vegas. I gave a, a talk on this. I put it in the middle of the room and then I turned it on. It was on the whole time. And then people are sitting there doing stuff on their phones and playing around. And I clicked it up on the on the screen and started reading people's phone names off and then mm -hmm. looking at IP addresses and then clicked one. And I it was one of the guy, one of my guys who knew he was sitting there, clicked his and started pulling all his data. And uh, it it's, can all be done. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, you know, you've, you've identified a couple different threats here um, that can come in either, well, through, through the mail, some, some something that could um, be a potential explosive or some type of poison, or it's just a prank. Okay. That's yeah. going to designed to interrupt business or um, somebody who's actually trying to breach your, your IT system. So what can companies do? Well, you touched on some of the policies earlier, but like, mm -hmm. are there, there ways to kind of automate this? Are there technologies that can be used or what? Well, so the FCC is not going to let you jam randomly uh, stuff inside your building. They, they do frown on, on active jamming. Uh, policies. So instead of letting things that need to be returned, things that are going into the mailroom that can never be delivered, sit there for a good period of time, uh, immediately kicking them back out the door again. I walked into uh, one of those companies we talked about earlier. I walked into their mailroom. They had a box that had a very popular gaming system in it and had been sitting there for eight months. Eight months with more than enough space and electronic components to be gutted that you could put anything in there and it can do all sorts of stuff. Wow. Uh, they, there's, mailrooms get forgotten. Uh, the way I explain it is if you look at a company from the outside in, think of a mailroom like an eddy of a river, right? <laughs> I like that analogy. <laughs> yeah. Everything's going. We're trying to keep things moving as fast as you can. But every single time you turn a corner, there's an eddy. And mm -hmm. that's kind of just collects things. And mail what's, that, what's that box over there? I, yeah. I don't know. It's Somebody else put it there. So I just assume that's where it belongs, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they also, every now and then, things get picked up and thrown back into the river. So. Mm -hmm. If you put down to the CEO on something innocuous, uh, but it doesn't quite look right and people kind of, yeah, whatever. If it sits there for long enough, somebody's going to pick it up and carry it to the CEO. Mm -hmm. If it's not kicked out of that building, somebody, even if it just says CEO on top, it will eventually get near that individual. 
Um, they, Especially they have, if, his, if, his, if his office is just right above the mailroom. Yeah, that's <laughs> one of the ways that you'd see it. But um, it, it's just interesting to watch how they go. So like policies, moving things quickly in and out, making sure what's there is supposed to be there, uh, implement a screening process. So even if it is something that might sit for a little bit, you know it's clear, you know there's mm -hmm. nothing in there that's going to cause problems. Um, making sure, and this is a, this is actually a big one, changing your policies to not really set your company or your facility up for failure. I know porch pirates are horrible. They go out, they steal stuff off your porch just as soon as you bought it. Amazon's great at delivering it really, really fast, and they're great at falling right behind the Amazon truck and picking it up. But letting people have all those, all that mail for their home delivered to the office is increasing the amount of risk that the company's taking. Oh, I didn't realize that that's happening. So, oh, yes. so, so, and I was actually going to ask you about that because there's obviously a massive increase in, in the number of packages that are being delivered to consumers, to homes. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I wasn't sure if the same, if we're saying the same thing with businesses, because I wouldn't assume that, you know, the number of packages would go up. But what you're saying is, is people are doing their online shopping and have it delivered to their office? Yes, very common. About half wow. of the companies that we work with, and uh, I'd say half the ones I've walked into, there's a pile of Amazon in the corner. And what's interesting is some of the companies even prioritize that Amazon package ahead of company mail. So Amazon will come in, it's like immediately delivered. Um, one of the most pilfered items out there is Amazon packing tape. People see the Amazon tape and they go, oh, I know it is, it's gotta be ordered from Amazon, it's safe. Well, there's third party vendors that do a whole lot of shipping, not technically from Amazon, but by under their name and those don't come from a facility that may be considered normal. Mm -hmm. So, so what what are some of the technologies that can be used? Uh, X-ray is out there uh, for okay. a lot of a lot of stuff. X-ray does a really good job at looking at large boxes, large items. Um, we have a, a millimeter wave scanning system that does the same thing, except it looks in softer things. There is a whole lot of new technology coming out on on identification. So whether it's itemizers or physical um, sweeping systems that you will give you a chemical breakdown of what's inside or on the outside of the package, uh, there's there's a whole lot of them. The, the interesting thing I would say is a lot of the companies that would implement a screening program don't have the ability to do something like an x-ray because besides the, the weight and the physical dimensions, there's training requirements, there's certification mm -hmm. requirements for the operator, there's annual assessments, there's there's a lot of other stuff that comes with it. And they see all that and they go, uh, we're just not going to do it. And one of the big competitors that we have is doing nothing. A majority of the companies do look at their risk assessment and they go, I will eat, I'll eat that pain when it happens. That money will be money lost, but it's going to be less than what I'm forced to pay right now. If I do all this other work, I could just avoid it. And unfortunately, the, the numbers are generally in the six figures when you start causing shutdowns. When you kick a Fortune 5 company out of their office for seven hours, that's a significant yeah. emotional event. Absolutely. Um, I'm sorry, but I didn't catch the, the type of technology that you use. Oh, sorry. Secure. Uh, we use millimeter wave. So much like the airport, when you raise your hands over your head and uh, the ProVision x-ray or Pro, the ProVision body I, screener. I, I, okay. So I know what the body screener is, I think. But why don't you explain that a little bit? I mean, okay. So... Uh, millimeter waves is high frequency, low energy, generally uh, radio energy that gets fired at a camera that's sensitive to it. So like what we do, if you've got 50 milligrams of powder inside of an envelope, 
that you're sending to a CEO, when you put it in our system, you'll see the envelope and then you'll see the powder moving around inside of it. As the density changes, watch whatever happens inside the package, you can see it in real time. Uh, it's safe, so you put your hands in it. There's no ionization. Uh, like I said, just like the airport, it, you stand in it, nobody thinks twice about it. It's the exact mm -hmm. same thing. The system itself is mobile. You have no certification or training requirements. All you have to do is plug it in, wait a minute, and then anybody can screen. So we don't need to have any certifications for the operator. And can you screen like all size packages or? Ours goes up to about 10 inches. There's okay. a, so because we're putting out a, a fairly high level of milliwatt for what we're doing, uh, it also has some problems going through heavy, dense, thick things. It's meant for the items that x-ray is too powerful for. So, okay, like so if you take those same 50 milligrams of powder and you put it in an x-ray, you're not going to get an image out of it. You're not going to know what the threat's there. So, and then do you advise your clients then to scan everything or just things that they think are suspicious? That depends on the clients. Uh, most of the time, it's things that would be going to people who are high value or high risk. So, obviously, the C-suite. HR department's laid off 200 people. You probably should put the <sighs> HR department on there. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you've got some lawyers that work for you that do, you know, some. They, other they're going on there. Definitely. Yeah. They're going on there. <laughs> there. There's a group of there's a group of folks that, that you could pretty much expect to be on there. The janitorial department. Yeah, probably not. That's it. it it's the it's like the TSA. They scan everything, yet they have a fairly high failure rate for things they get through. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that might be true, but I think one of them is because they they don't drill in or focus in on people individually or on scenarios individually. So uh, we talk to most of our clients and say, look, you don't have the time to scan everything. Let's do this smartly. Right. Everything gets a physical and tactile inspection. So everybody gets to see, touch, and see what's going on. But when it comes to what you're going to give your extra energy to, it's to the people that are most likely, most probably going to be your, your targets. Makes a lot of sense. And just to come back to that TSA thing, I, I'm continually amazed by how many things that accidentally get through. Oh, yeah. Um, at the same time, I'm amazed at how many times they find somebody who's trying to carry a handgun onto a plane. And and it's typically the response is like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know it was in there. <laughs> it's like, Usually. I, I mean, I, I, so I lived overseas for, I don't know, 20 years. And, and I it's just kind of drilled into my DNA at this point that – when you are getting onto a plane, you it's your responsibility to know what's in your bag because if somebody else slips something in there, nobody's going to buy that story. It's, they're all looking at you. And um, so, I mean, I just do a careful screening. And I don't, you know, when you're overseas, the countries I was living in, it was impossible to have a handgun. But, you know, in the States, they're obviously pretty much everywhere. I would think that if I owned handguns, I would make sure. <laughs> yeah, you'd think. I, but uh, what's, what, that's funny. I do a lot of work with executive protection teams. Yeah. And you'll be on the other side, TSA, and you'll see them reach in their bag and pull out a magazine or pull out a couple rounds of ammo. And they're like, I forgot this was in here. First off, <laughs> what you're just talking about. The second off is the TSA. Right. You know, um, it's I'm not bashing the TSA. I don't I don't mean to say it like that. It's just that's an impossible task. And, it is. And then these people are not, uh, you know, high hourly wage earners either. You know, I mean, it's like, I, I would you want to be the, the, the person that, you know, has 100 people in line trying to get through to their plane and you've got to be the person that, you know, and it's your job, but it's also it's it's kind of a thankless job. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd have 
I did a lot of travel overseas. I was a 25 years in the army. I've been in a few places. Uh, I was on my way to Korea with my kids. We were moving there to live there for, for a couple of years. And uh, the guy ran, the TSA guy in uh, in Virginia ran my bag through three times. Same bag I've been traveling with for two years. Not even thought about it. And the third time he runs it through, he pulls me aside and he goes, hey, uh, can I search your bag? Yeah, why? Go ahead. And I need your ID. So I gave him my military ID card. And he looked at it and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, I have to do this. What are you talking about? I had a knife in the side uh, of my bag, but it was one of those formed backpacks. So it had a yeah. solid side. So it was sitting vertically. I'd probably flown with that thing 50 times. And this guy catches me on my way to an international flight with a knife in my bag. <laughs> says he's sorry to do it because he had to give me a $600 federal ticket because that's the cost. It's 600 wow. bucks. At least it was in 2012. And uh, my wife's kids are sitting there and I'm sitting here getting a federal ticket on my way to move to an overseas assignment. So I had to answer to it on the other end when I got to Korea because, it, of course, they said he tried to board an aircraft with a weapon. And, uh, yeah, it it's amazing what they can catch. Yeah. And or, or but in your case, you'd flown with it already several times and uh, yeah. not not even thought about it. Yeah. I, I think one time I had something where they, they had to put it in a box. Um, mm-hmm. And then I had to pick it up on the other end or something like that. Some of the stuff they just they just don't want it on the plane, which is fair enough. Um, well, hey, so 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 tell tell us a little bit more about um, you know race secure and you know what you guys do, yeah, how sure. you how you engage with customers and so on. Yeah, so race secure is a primarily male screening company that we we have a millimeter wave scanning system that um, it's intended for use from everybody from the assistant to the CEO, so no security background whatsoever, all the way up to we have foreign heads of state, um, government leadership. We've handled presidential, you know, um, presidential, uh, not appointees. Candidates. candidates. Oh, okay, appointees. Yeah, it was yeah. candidates, the word I was looking for. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. And so it goes the entire, the entire gambit. What we do is we find things that are in smaller, thin packages that is primarily where the threat level is right now for mail. Uh, we couple that with the support. So my team and I basically answer any phone calls that we get from our clients. We can dial into the unit, review the imagery, and tell them, yes, there's something you should worry about, or more likely than not, no, there's nothing you need to worry about in there. We can go ahead and open that up. So the EOD Secure program is, uh, we started in 2019 when I came on board, and um, only hire vets, hire people, retired backgrounds like myself, spent time on the bomb squad, and if there's any question, just call us 24 mm-hmm. seven. And uh, between the, the system itself and the service, companies don't necessarily need to have all the security training pushed all the way down to the mailroom operators and mailroom screeners. Uh, they can be a little more comfortable with saying, all they gotta know is normal from abnormal. When right. abnormal happens, raise your hand, we'll give you a call. And what happens with most companies is, so the first two, three months, they'll give us a call twice a week or whatever, and then they'll learn what normal looks like. Uh, you'd be surprised the amount of hats I get phone calls on with my team. People don't know what a baseball cap looks like when you can see the seams, yeah, when you yeah. can see all the inside of it. They'll, they'll take a great video and they'll give us a call. And one of my guys will answer and be like, hey, well, that that's a baseball cap. And they go, <laughs> what? And then you take control of the screen and you look at it and you show them there's the brim, there's the mm-hmm. seam that goes to the inside, there's the button on top. They go, oh my God, I got it. It's a hat. Um, so that stops after a while, and then we get a call when they really seriously have something. 
Interesting. So if, uh, if, if our listeners want to get some more information about Race Secure or your services, mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming they can go to your website. Absolutely. They go to the website. Yeah. Um, you can follow us on LinkedIn. We post stuff all the time. I write a monthly threat report that covers all the open source mail threat events that happen throughout the month. And then I do an annual one at the end of the year. We've got two of them in now. I can send you links to those if you want to put them on for the podcast. Please. In fact, I'd, I'd, I'd like to put the links into the show notes, but also I'd like to read the, the, the reports um, because, yeah, educational, okay. definitely. Yeah. Well, hey, well, um, you, this has been a very interesting conversation. You, you touched on some stuff that I've never, I mean, I, I'm aware that it's a, th a threat vector. We just don't typically talk about it in the context of cybersecurity, but I would I would argue that it's just as important as any kind of um, you know uh, other attack vector um, because typically we look at it you know somebody's like compromising your device or or they've got your credentials or something like that. But if somebody puts something malicious into your mailroom, that's just there and <laughs> they can, like you said, it can shut down your business for seven hours or longer. Um, and in the cases, I mean, so obviously we've had, you know, very serious attacks with the anthrax thing uh, years ago that, um, you know, so that kind of stuff can happen as well. So it's, it's good to be aware. And, um, I, uh, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to come on secure talk. No, Mark, thank you. I had a great time. Love the conversation. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.